Hey, it's, uh, it's really, it's great to see you all here, and really grateful that you're here, and that you've come, that you're with us. Um, it's a crazy world we live in, it's a fractured, broken place, um, and it's hard to find places where we can be connected, where we can be safe, where we can um, know that, that we're loved, and I really believe this place is that, and so it, it blesses me um, to see you, and I hope that you sense that. Uh, if you've been with us for any length of time, you know that we've been in a series on heaven. Heaven's weird because uh, everyone seems to have like and this notion that it's a place that we're going to go if we're Christians, we believe in heaven. And even if we're not Christians, some not Christian people believe in heaven too. It's this uh, the afterlife, whatever, and no one really seems to know what it's like. And it's crazy. We've been on this uh, journey where we've seen that the Bible actually has a lot to say about what heaven is like. For example, it's like a real place with human beings. I mean, our, our bodies are glorified and they're different, they're changed, but they're still recognizably real and human. It's, it's a place. And not only is it just a place, it's like a city. There's like an actual actual, you know, economy and government and stuff like that where people interact with each other. It's not like an eternity of, of uh, I don't know, what, singing songs or, I mean, that happens, but that's not like, it's, it's, there's more going on than just that. Um, we saw that, uh, that, in fact, heaven's described as being like a kingdom and every kingdom has a court. Every kingdom has kings and queens and prince and princesses and dukes and duchesses. <laughs> sip of water <laughs> um, who lead and, and, it, and it turns out that in fact uh, people who believe Christians have an opportunity to join the ranks of those who, who go to heaven and rule and, and are, and are um, lifted up there and so we've been seeing the different types of ways that, uh, that you can accomplish that, that that we as people can become the kinds of people who go to heaven and are having a special experience of glory there. So we saw the crown of life, which is the crown that's promised to those who suffer and are martyred for the faith. We saw um, uh, the crown of victory, the victor's crown. For those, this is last week, if you, God gives every person a mission and, and something that, that, that we're called to do, and if you stay the course and you keep the faith and you finish that mission, there's a crown for you called the victor's crown. Today, we're going to look at the crown of righteousness. And if you've been here any length of time, you may have noticed a strange tension. Normally, if you go to, I mean, not normally, but there's a lot of places where you go. It's, it's like a church or a religion or whatever. And, and the way that people are kept in line, because we all, we all kind of want to do our own thing, right? And here I am, the leader guy, and I'm like, no, you can't do that. And so the way that a lot of religious leaders and religious people um, try to keep everyone on the straight and narrow is they're like, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. That's serious. You may have noticed that that's not what we preach here because that's not what the Bible says. It's crazy. The Bible says that if you just believe, that's it. Done deal. You're in. And so here's what's the, 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 so then there's this natural human tendency. We're like, okay, well, so you're telling me I'm in because I, I believe. All right, I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to awesome. What reason do I have to do all the hard things that Christians are supposed to do? This is the question I'd like us to think about, have in the back of our mind today. Uh, why should I live a holy life? And I have holy in quotes because if you're not a person who grew up in the church, as soon as you hear the word holy, you immediately think of like, you know, piousness or like religious people or like praying or something like that. Um, and, and the only time that non-Christians really even use the word holy at all is when they're saying bad words. 
Like, that's just not, it's just not part of the, and so I, I want to keep that up there. Like, maybe holy is not what we thought holy was. Maybe there's a different kind of holiness. Keep that in the back of your mind as well. But whatever it is, why should I do that rather than doing what most of the time I want? Well, let's take a look at our text today. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. This is Paul. He's um, near the end of his life, and he's writing a letter to sort of his, one of his successors, Timothy, who's pastoring a church. He's a young man. And so Paul's kind of ending things, and he, and he says this to Timothy. He says, I'm already being poured out like a wine offering to God, and the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Now at last, the crown of righteousness is waiting for me. The Lord, who is the righteous judge, is going to give it to me on that day. But listen, he's giving it not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Now, at first blush, it might sound like uh, there's two possibilities for what um, this crown of righteousness is or what it's for. First, if we read that first sentence, I'm already being poured out like a wine offering to God, and the time of my death is near, it might sound, uh, well, what do you think that sounds like if you're being poured out? Kind of sounds like you're dying, right? Maybe you're suffering. Um, that might be a metaphor we might use to talk about uh, what that's like. I'm being poured out. Maybe it's the case that Paul's saying, hey, I'm being poured out, I'm being martyred, I'm suffering, and so I get the crown of righteousness. But wait, that can't be right. Two weeks ago, we saw that that is the crown of life. Then, next, uh, in verse 7, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. This sounds a lot like what we learned last week, the crown of, uh, the victor's crown, the crown of victory. I, I did my mission, I fill, I fulfilled it, I, I'm gonna, I'm okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it, I did it, and so I get the crown of righteousness, you might think. I'm gonna push against that. Uh, I'm gonna push against the first one first, the, the idea that, uh, that it's, it's all about endurance or martyrdom. I think I have a, a visual aid. Yes. Yeah, I, it was my birthday. So my buddy Jared took me to uh, a Brazilian steakhouse. This is before I went to Morton's with my wife. I literally gained 72 pounds on Friday. Anyway, uh, we were there, and um, at Brazilian steakhouse, you have like a button, a card. If it's green, they just keep giving you meat. And they don't stop. They just keep coming and giving it to you. If you put it red, it's like, stop, I need, I need a break. And uh, at this particular place, they normally lamb is not my jam. That rhymes. Uh, normally I can't stand lamb, but this place did it right. And it looked a lot like these examples of lamb here. It was like, it was juicy, it was really, really good. Uh, when Paul says, uh, I'm poured out as a drink offering or a wine offering, as I've translated it, uh, it really is, it refers to the Old Testament. And if you're interested in this, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but in the back of your note sheets, I do have Leviticus 23, where Paul's referencing uh, the, the, the drink offering, the wine offering. But basically, it breaks down like this. Once the people of Israel were in Israel, every single sacrifice that they did involved pouring out about a, a liter and a half of wine on top of the lamb that they lit on fire for their sacrifice. And so that would be like on the right there. Notice there's some red wine with the lamb, okay? That's, that's like once they were in land. Before they got to the lamb, or the land, uh, whenever they had lamb, they, they, they ate it without any wine. So not only did they not pour wine on the lamb itself for the sacrifice, but the people did not enjoy wine either. Whereas once they'd gotten into the land, um, a sacrifice was like a big barbecue where they would get together and 
Sometimes it was to sacrifice for sin, sometimes to say thanks to God, but whatever it was, it was like a big barbecue, and they poured out a liter and a half of wine on, onto the sacrifice and then lit it on fire, um, and, and then they shared wine as they ate the, the lamb together at the feast. Why? Why before the lands is there no wine, and why is there wine after they enter the lands? Well, the reason is that wine is a symbol of rest and joy. This is the first thing in your note sheets. Wine offering represents joy and rest after God finishes his work. Uh, It's associated strongly with the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Uh, So when when you, at the end of the week, you have like a big celebration, and part of that is is wine in Jewish tradition. And it's the idea is the work has been done, it's been completed, and so as a result, now we can have joy, now we can relax. And and, and likewise, when sacrifices were being done, God was said to participate with this. God was part of this celebration. And so because the people had gotten into the land and taken possession, and the land had borne its fruits. God had done his work, and so wine was a part of their celebration. So when Paul says, I'm being poured out like a wine offering, he's not saying, I'm exhausted. And I, I, uh, What he's saying is, he, he's, like, he's like, I'm a fine pairing. I am a fine pairing with the sacrifice that is your lives. Paul saw himself as being party to and helping the churches of the ancient world um, at the very beginning get, get, get planted and rooted and, and, and founded and, and safe. He's near the end of his life. He says that. I'm, I'm about to check out. But he looks around and he sees that the, the churches are safe. He sees that they're strong. He's, he's even writing to Timothy, who's, who's carrying on the torch. He's like a proud papa. He says, he says, now it's time for joy and rest. I've been a part of that. I have, I have done it. I've, I've finished. And now I can, now I can take my, my death. I can rest easy knowing that you have come into your joy. If we, um, go back to the text. So that first one, poured out like a wine offering, that, that's not, it's not about like dying, it's not about those things. It's really, it's a, it's a celebration, if anything, um, about what's happened to the churches. Well, next he says, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Maybe that's what the crown of righteousness is for. It's I've worked so hard and I've done this stuff, now I can have the crown of righteousness. I suggest no, um, I've translated here, now at last, that's uh, loipos in Greek. It's a very, it's a very strong transition. It's like we were talking about this. Finally, this is what remains. This is what's left now to talk about. We don't have a good way to say that in English, so I've glossed it now at last. But the idea is he's changing tracks. This isn't, I did it, I won, I'm good. No, he's changing tracks to something different. And this is what he says. Now at last, the crown of righteousness is waiting for me. Now at last. So I move on in the text. Or not. Do I have like a, do I have a picture? What, there it is. Okay, sweet. The crown of righteousness the, uh, is waiting for me, the Lord who is the righteous judge. True, real question. This is not uh, rhetorical. Can anybody here tell me the difference between righteousness and justice? It's high level. We're scared to speak. That's good. You've learned because usually when I ask a question, it's a trick question, and you found me out. That's good. Well, uh, I get good news. I, um, in order to just de- to demonstrate it to you, I've uh, I've asked Google what the difference is. So I googled um, a just man, or no, I googled a righteous man and a man of justice, and this is what I got. Mm-hmm. Because Superman used to stand for uh, truth, justice, and the American way. 
But recently they've decided that the American way is an oppressive and terrible way. And so now he's for truth and justice, but kind of suspicious of America. It's, you know, if you want to see one of those awful DC movies, and, sh- and you'll see. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I highly recommend that you don't, because they're garbage. Uh, even um, people were like, oh, but Wonder Woman's great. I couldn't even finish it. The only way I was able to finish that movie is I was on a flight, so I had to watch a movie. And so between the idea of me sitting there listening to nothing and watching Wonder Woman, I chose Wonder Woman, and I almost regret it. And if you want to know why I think that movie's garbage, I'll tell you. But not right now. That's not the point. You see the difference here, though. In, the, in our mind, in Western minds, righteousness, um, righteousness involves Jesus or God, or it's like purity, like sinlessness. I mean, you can tell that guy, he's, he's praying, he's a serious dude. Justice, on the other hand, means setting uh, what's wrong right, right? It's like, you know, this person broke the law, I'm going to put him in jail. Or, you know, this person lost all this stuff, I'm going to go find it and give it back to her. And that's what the man of justice does. The righteous man prays a lot. The man of justice does a lot of stuff. And that's kind of how we think about the difference between righteousness and justice. Interesting fact. In Greek, the word for righteousness and justice is the same word. Dikaisune. In Greek, and really in the ancient world, they didn't have this strong notion of a difference between righteousness and justice like we do. In the ancient world, it was assumed if you're a righteous person, praying, upright, pious person, then you will be the kind of person who goes and does, you know, good stuff, I guess. You, you make things uh, just. Uh, if you're the kind of person who's out there doing good in the community, you will be the kind of person who behind closed doors is, you know, pious and praying. There's not going to be this radical divide between you two. It's not praying dude and Superman. It's just super Christian person. There's just one person. That's the next thing in your note sheets. In the Bible, a righteous or just person is a person who has integrity before God. If you have integrity before God, then your public life where you're dealing with what's right and wrong is going to be very, it's going to be drawn from, sourced in, and, and, and parallel to your private life of piety and, and righteousness and prayer and stuff like that. They're, they're connected in the minds of the ancient world. It's not like this big separation that we make. We can make that separation, but it's kind of false to sort of put it on uh, the Bible. And so when we're looking at this text, uh, when it says the crown of righteousness that the, the, that, uh, the, the righteous judge will give, it could really be something more like uh, the crown of justice that the just judge will give. You, you could read it either way. Which is interesting. If it's the crown that's for righteousness and for justice... If that's what this is for, then it's the crown for the people who have set themselves before God and before the world, and they're, they're whole and they're complete, and they're, they're blameless, they're morally upright, they're exemplary, sort of. Let's go back to the text uh, one more time. Listen to this. The Lord who is the righteous or just judge. In fact, if you uh, read the translation of this text from, um, from the Latin, it says, uh, the crown of justice, uh, the Lord who is the just judge. I mean, it literally says that, so it, I'm not just saying this. He's giving it not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. What do you think about that? 
I, I sometimes will talk to people in the congregation about the rapture. If you're not familiar with it, the rapture is when Jesus comes back and all, all those who believe, the dead rise first, all those who believe go up to be with the Lord. When I talk about this, I'm almost always thinking of it as like this divine rescue mission. Right? I'm sitting here in my life, and you know my kids are misbehaving, and they're flipping out. I've read the news, so I know that the world is a disaster. Um, everything seems to be out of order, chaos, and I'm just like, I'm like, I'm ready. Let me out of here. Please, come back. Rescue me. Maybe some of you have thought something similar. You've been beat down and the world's getting to you, and you're like, I, I really do want Jesus to come back so we can get out of this nonsense. Interestingly, uh, for Paul and for those who were, you know, really excited about Jesus coming back. I mean, what, what, what's going to happen? He's going to come back and do what? Bail us all out? Yeah, temporarily. But then what? I have another visual aid. <laughs> this visual aid makes me angry. I tried to find Jesus with a crown where he's not like a white guy. If you think that Jesus was white, you're wrong. Uh, and that's, a, I mean, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it, it does kind of irritate me because it, then it might be easier for us to import sort of our Western values on Jesus when we're reading the text because we're imagining him as like this white guy with a beard uh, from the 70s. And that's not who he is. Um, he was actually very Jewish. He was very Hebrew. And so that bothers me that I won't worry about that. Okay, but he's wearing a crown. He's wearing a crown. He comes, he saves us, we're raptured up, we're hanging out, the world is going, everything's falling apart. And then what? Jesus comes back. He appears. What does he do? Well, this time he's wearing a crown. This time he's the big boss. This time all the stuff that's messed up in the world is being set right. It's all, all the stuff is broken, it's, it's gonna not be broken anymore. He's going to come in and make things the way they ought to be. One way that I like to translate Dikaisune, instead of righteousness or justice, is make right. Making things right. Not just fixing, but making right. I uh, broke my collarbone twice. The first time I was skateboarding down a hill, at the bottom of the hill was mud. So my skateboard stopped. Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe that someone this large could be on a skateboard. But in my 20s, I was very thin. Uh... I, I, it, st- I, it stopped. So I fell on, I landed on a rock and I cracked my collarbone. I didn't know it. But then several years later, um, I was riding an ATV at my grandfather's ranch. I should not be allowed to do anything extreme because I am not very coordinated. So I drove the ATV off of a 10-foot bridge. And the ATV got, thank God, got caught on the, the, the bridge. And so it didn't smash me. But I did fall the 10 feet and I landed on my shoulder and I fractured my, my collarbone. I broke it completely. This was on Christmas Eve. And so when we went to the, uh, the medical office, I didn't get much help because there was a person who had been very inebriated and had lit, the, lit himself on fire. And so they were trying to take care of him. I was like, dude, that guy's an idiot. And they were like, so are you. Anyway, uh, when you, so now when you look at an x-ray of my shoulder, right, the, the, the collarbone has gotten back together. But there's this gnarly bump. And so any doctor who looks at an x-ray of me can say, wow, when did you break your collarbone? I mean, I'm good now, right? But if you see it, it's, it's put together, but it's not made right. It's sort of healed so I can work and I can get things done, but it's not set right. It's set, but not set right. 
when Jesus comes back, he's wearing the crown and he's setting everything right. Not just putting things together and making it work. Instead, a government that is completely just, where everything that's messed up gets put the way it ought to be. A a, a world where our own lives that are in turmoil are set in the way that they ought to be because he's running the show. When Paul says, I long for his appearing, and he's saying everyone who longs for his appearing, he's talking about everybody who is jealous and, and, and thirsts and waits and is begging the Lord to make that day come now. So uh, the next thing in your note sheets. The crown of righteousness goes to every Christian who has been living as if Jesus is already king. Imagine this. Imagine that you're this kind of person. You're living with integrity before God. You're living with integrity in the public square. You're really trying to do things well and do things right. It's awful when you look around and see how everybody else seems to be getting ahead, how everybody else seems to be having all the sex that you want to have and using all the substances that you want to use, doing all the things that you think is going to make you so happy, and they get to do it, but you're sticking with it. If you're that person, then isn't it going to be great when we're all put the way we ought to be? Finally, everything around us will be made right the way that we're already kind of living. The person who is looking for the coming of the Lord is someone who understands what the kingdom of God will be like and is like, please send it now because this place is a wreck. Alternatively, there will be those of us who uh, are like, oh, dude, you're here? Really? Just a, just a little bit longer, please. This place is pretty great. I like it a lot. My situation is awesome. I'm having a great run. I'm not sure I'm going to like this new world order you're about to impose. It's a question. How would you feel? I mean, this is cute. It's like a cute question, but it's serious. How would you feel if Jesus returned this afternoon? He would find me asleep. If he got here between two and, say, six. And how would I feel? I'd feel groggy. No. Um, how would you feel? Would, uh, so, so he's here, and the end of days is at hand. And now the next thing that you're going to experience on earth, after you go up and are with him, watch everything fall apart, and then come back, the next thing that you're going to experience is the government of God in all of its justice, righteousness, and mercy. And that's how you're going to start living. Is that a good feeling? Or is that a bad feeling? Well, it depends on two things. It depends on what you think that world order is going to be like and whether or not you're in tune with that kind of world. It's going to depend on what you think that order is going to be like and whether or not you're in tune with that kind of world. 
And I think um, if, if there's the crown, the crown of righteousness is for those of us who really understand what the kingdom of God is going to look like and are living like it now. We make the sacrifices where they're needed to be made. We get encouraged where we're supposed to be encouraged. But we're actually living according to God's rules and his, maybe you could even say, the way Jesus wants us to live now. Um, if that's, if that's, if you're interested in the crown of righteousness, if that's something that you would like to achieve, if you would like to be, and we can say it here, glad to see Jesus, instead of like, are you sure you can't wait a week? I something, no, 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 it's, it's a joke, but hold on a second. Um, there's a part of me that really wants to see, say, Alice get married. Right? There's a part of me that, um, Actually, that's pretty much all I'm looking forward to. But, uh, <laughs> Olivia's like, what? I'm like, I don't care about you. You're number two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love them both. Um, but, they're, they're, but seriously, though, I mean, there is a part of me that's tied to this world, tied to the government of this world, tied to the way that this world is. And, and to be truly glad to see Jesus, to be longing and waiting for his return, I have to be sold out, completely in tune with the way he does things, and, 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 and that's it, nothing else. And so if that's of interest to us, and we want to become those people, I do have uh, some suggestions, some ways to think about, ways to shape our lives so that we too will be glad to see Jesus. Let's take a look. The first one is personal holiness. Um, personal holiness, you know, when we say holiness, typically we think about things like what? Uh, restricting ourselves in our sexual lives, right? Uh, we think about um, moderating uh, the way that we indulge the good things of, of the world, um, food, drink, things like that. We think about, um, basically it's a whole bunch of no's, Right? It's like a whole bunch of things where we're like, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. I, I, I want to suggest that, yes, holiness does involve some self-restraint and discipline, and a lot of it, because if you're the kind of person who just loves hoarding money, um, then, yeah, <laughs> holiness and, and, and going according to Jesus' way is going to require you to, to be disciplined and to become generous. And if you're a person who's really motivated by the sex and pornography, then it, it, yes, you're being asked to restrain that, to, to save that for a special relationship. Yes, and that's hard. But the vast majority of holiness is not you missing out on fun. It's really you living the way that we all deep down wish we would all live. Notice that when you start living and you just you know, let the floodgates go and you're like, I'm going to be as greedy as I want, I'm going to fulfill every appetite that I want. Things go terribly. It's a disaster. And, what, and not only is it a disaster, it's not just a disaster for you, it's really a disaster for the people you love. And if we were honest, we would all sit down and say, hey, wouldn't it be, if the, Jesus teaching, we're kind of like, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. If we would all live that way, then there would be a lot less pain, misery, and destruction in the world. This isn't some kind of like, God's like, ah, I love making them suffer. Really, it's God, it's God saying, I have a way that you're meant to live, and if you do it, it's gonna be better for you and everybody you care about. So when we talk about holiness, don't turn this into some kind of like religious thing. I've gotta show up on Sunday every week, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, blah, 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 blah. Actually, you know what? Yeah, you do have to show up on Sunday every week. Bring your, bring your checkbook, uh, it's really important. I'm just kidding. 
No, but don't, don't, think of, don't think of holiness as like this like rigid experience of, of discipline and restraint. Instead, look at it as, as actually beginning to live the way every human being ought to. And, and see what happens to people around you when you're not ruining everything. And likewise, them ruining things for you. Be like, oh wait, you're being less selfish. That's awesome. Thank you. If that's how we live, I suggest that when we see Jesus, we're going to be like, oh, this is going to be so good. Finally, everybody's going to be living this way at long last. The next is, is uh, public integrity. Um, and like I suggested earlier, I think this is two sides of the same coin, at least in the mind of, of, of Paul and others in the ancient world. The person who's, who's, uh, you know, has integrity in, in the world is probably going to be the same person who has uh, a kind of holiness or righteousness in their personal life. Nevertheless, public integrity, being a Christian will cost you in the public square. It will. But it's not going to cost you probably as much as you think. Being a Christian in public and, and, and staying true to the, the, the kinds of values, the way that Jesus calls us to live, yeah, you might miss out on, on uh, you know, being promoted because you were going to throw that guy into the bus. You might miss out on that. But all things considered, for the most part, things are actually going to work out okay. I, I, I can't speak from you know, personal experience because I've only really been working for like three years. But for those of you who've... Yes, that was funny. Ha <laughs> Someone whispered, it's true. <laughs> great. That's, that's great. Okay. Uh, but I have witnessed um, in this place many people um, who are much older than I, who've, you know, like actually got jobs when they turned 18, um, who, who've, who've worked their lives, who've, who've been a part of the public square and have maintained their integrity. Now, are they all billionaires? No. But God has been faithful to them. And perhaps you're one of them. God has been faithful to you. Your integrity in the public square, it's not, it, you have, yeah, you maybe missed out on a few things you would have liked. But for the most part, you have been blessed. God has been faithful. Things have been good. You're not, you weren't left off to the side and cast away. You, you didn't get forgotten. This is not like some suicide pact that, that God's asking you, I want you to be miserable. No, it's not that. Sometimes it comes with persecution. Sometimes we do lose things. But in general, when we have public integrity, when we have integrity in our, in our public lives, things actually go pretty well for us. And that's because the rest of the world is like, wow. She's a stand-up lady. I want to be close to her. I want to see, uh, yeah, she's great. Or, man, he's a, he's a decent guy. I like that guy. That's kind of what happens when people learn that they can trust you and recognize that you're basically decent. Will they sometimes take advantage of you? Yes. But God will not leave you behind. And that way, if you live that way, yeah, you miss out on a few things here and there. But when Jesus returns, you're going to be like, oh, Oh, I cannot wait for how the world's going to look when everybody lives this way. Number three, Jesus, absolute holiness. Um, 
It is true that, uh, that Jesus, demand, Jesus is in himself absolute perfection. He's sinless, meaning that at no point in his life did he ever depart in any way from God's will or desire. He's like the guy. What that means is that if you start to think, I got to figure it out. I did it. I, went, I won at being a Christian. I get an A+. Plus. I am awesome. What you need to do is step back and be like, and, and, and reset your eyes on what it was like to be Jesus. And if you do that, then your awesomeness will start to look less great. You'll be like, ah. Because if you start to look at the absolute perfection that is Christ, the absolute self-givingness that, 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 that takes him to the cross, that gives us life. If you look at the way that he lit, you're, you're suddenly, you're like, okay, all right, okay, I'm not, I'm not bad, but I'm definitely not that. And that sends you to that place of humility. That's really important. Never, ever, ever do we want to be the kinds of people who feel like we've figured it out. You may have met some of these Christians. They're like, oh, you did what? Oh, yeah, I was giving money to the poor. No big deal, though. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we just got a new car. Oh, you did? You got a new car? Yeah, I was, um, I was in Haiti. Yeah, I was a, building, building houses in Mexico. Good for you. Yeah. If you're around people, and they make you feel bad, <laughs> like worse, like you're, you're they, I, I suggest to you that they have this public front uh, of holiness or integrity or whatever, probably inside, something's really messed up. Uh, God's not calling us to be people who are like, yeah, I'm awesome and you're not. God is calling us to be people, again, like Jesus, who are like, hey, was, I mean, Jesus was really, really nice to people who weren't great. In fact, the only people Jesus was really mean to were people who were really, really religious. <laughs> you read it, he's like, Pharisees, you're Unwashed, whitewashed tombs, and then like the, the, the prostitute, he's like, hey, go and sin no more. Like, that's, that's the kind of mentality. If, if that's the sort of, if that's how you're projecting, then I think you're probably on the right path. If you're projecting where it's like, it's like, woohoo, I'm awesome, everyone else is terrible, then you probably have some deep-seated thing, and you need to start focusing on how perfect Jesus was again. Last but not least, reckless love. I was so pumped when Doug said they were gonna sing that song. It's like, it's, it's such, it's an awesome song. It's an awesome uh, story from Luke. A lot of us, um, we hear about the crown of righteousness and our natural inclination is to be like, to have integrity before God. To be able to say that um, I'm excited when he appears. Dude, my life is a complete wreck. I am not even close to being anywhere near ready for him to return if he's absolute perfection and holiness, man, I look like, I look like a rat. I look like a, a, a piece of excrement. I am nothing. I am, I am absolutely unready. I am, I am so far away from anything that he could look at and be pleased with that I, I, it's time to give up and walk out. I quit. If that's your view of who God is and who you are in relationship to God, you have missed the boat. 
You have not heard the gospel. You have not recognized how much God loves. You have not experienced or seen the extent to which Jesus will go to make you right, to make you whole, and to make you pure. You have not really, you, you, you haven't believed. You're not believing. Maybe you have in the past, but you're not now. If you really do believe, if you, if you accept and understand who Jesus is, you're like, oh my gosh. He, he loves me. Like, he loves me with abandon. He loves me fiercely and with, with no, he, he, he doesn't count my sins against me. Do you notice that in our verse this week? He's not counting your sins against you. He's not sitting there making a tally. He's simply waiting for you to return. If you are in a place where you're like, there's no way the crown of righteousness could ever be mine, I'm a scumbag. Then what you're, when, what you're called to, what you're called to is to re-recognize the reckless love of God. Start over. Repent. He's not gonna, he's not gonna say no to you. If today is your first day, it's still within reach. Come back. His arms are wide open. His love is reckless. There is no end to it. And he will never, ever say no to anyone who wants to be with him. I think uh, Paul was expecting to get lots of crowns. You see, you know, a crown, it's like you can't wear more than one at a time. But we spoke uh, some weeks ago about the fact that really a crown is probably a metaphor. It really is, is it's kind of like a merit badge. It's kind of like saying, hey, I, you know, I, there, there was this thing set before me and I did it. If you're seeking to live a holy life, if you're seeking to receive the crown of righteousness, if you can hang on to these things, then you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to be wonderful, you don't have to do all the... But you've got to be able to say before God, I went for it. I stuck with you. There were some missteps along the way, but I came back because you received me. And now that you're finally here, I can breathe a big sigh of relief because things are finally going to be set right, which is what I've always wanted. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, I pray uh, that our church will be a church of holiness, not a church of religiosity, not a church of arrogance, not a church that has it all figured out, but instead a community of people who just want to see the world put right, who want to see your governance over the world, over our lives enacted, who can just be your subjects, complete and full, knowing that we're living the way that you want us to live. God, for any here who don't believe that they can do that, I pray a special measure of your spirit to convince them that, that God, you are forgiving, that your love is reckless. For any who think that they have achieved it, I pray a spirit of humility to recognize that your standards are far beyond anything we can ever achieve. God, may all of us be met by Christ and be given the crown of righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.